Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in to Prophecy of the Nation Autumn Miller's podcast. This is part two of Understanding Prophets. Amen. Got a huge response from the uh, first uh, podcast regarding uh, prophets. And um, I've been sharing a lot on my ministry page. You can follow me on Prophecy of the Nation. On Facebook as well. I've been sharing a lot of information in there, and people have really been blessed um, and getting a clear understanding about prophetic ministry and prophets. Amen. So I felt led to uh, go over this and, and share on the podcast. So once you come on the podcast, if you enjoy any of these episodes, please make sure you like and share these episodes. It just helps the podcast uh, grow. It helps it to reach more audience. And also, if you just hit the share button, also you could share it in your text message. If you hit the share button, uh, your icon will pop up and it'll say share. Um, you know, ask you, do you want to share your email? Do you want to share by text? Uh, wherever you feel led to share, please do. But I'm just going to give you a friendly reminder. You can pretty much share it in your text. You can pretty much share it in your email. Uh, I really would appreciate that. Plus, you never know who might need to hear it, um, who might need to hear these teachings and help their people out. Because, it, I mean, I was just surprised. Like, there was a big response yesterday um, regarding prophets, um, you know, understanding prophets. Oh, sorry, I'm moving around and getting stuff situated. Understanding prophets and um, and opening up other people's uh, mind who who haven't heard about the ministry as well. What are prophets? Do they still exist? I did put up a a post and to address those who do not believe in prophets and who say they don't exist and and also who don't feel as if women should be in ministry. I did put a post of that because I realized that a lot of people who follow my ministry, especially online, have been wounded um, and they need healing. Um, they've been through a lot of uh, traumatic things. So I am very, try to be as much as I possibly can, very watchful about what I post uh, and who I allow to post as well. So I, I said to people, I said, if you have a bullying spirit, your bullying, your bullying is not welcome in my ministry. Um, if you bully people because they don't agree with what you agree with, uh, you need a deliverance, first of all. But we will not tolerate that. And also, um, just because we're Christian leaders in Christ, don't think that legal action can't be brought up against you when you're intimidating and harassing people um, in ministries. That's just the way I that's just the way I do. Um, I'm not going to tolerate somebody um, mistreating it to the point where it's affecting their life and it's very detrimental. You don't know where anybody is at, uh, what all they've been through. One word you might say that the, uh, the tongue has life and death. Um, they could take their life. Anything could happen. So we, the Bible says, let us get an understanding. So get an understanding. See where people are coming from and show love. And you don't have to attack people, bully them down. It happens all the time. And it's just... The Lord spoke to me yesterday. We don't have to tolerate that. And if you're harassing people to the point where it's so bad, then legal action could be brought up against you. That's what I tell people. You know, 
here, this is the way you got to do it. If we're living in evil days, we don't have to tolerate, you know, people, you know, bringing a potential harm against you because you disagree with something that uh, they don't agree with. But anyways, with that being said, I want to get into this because it's 50 minutes. Um, please share. Um, there will not be any commercials on this one. Uh, we're just going to go straight in and hopefully I can get my sound back. I have to use a different sound system today. So hopefully you'll be able to hear it. Amen. So let me bring it up. Hold on. Please give me a, a thumbs up if you can hear it. I am convinced that we're living uh, in a day in which uh, God is pouring out his spirit in a way that is fresh, new, and, and the prophetic ministry is, is being more understood, more received, more embraced around the world uh, to the benefit of the church. We want to discuss uh, the signs of a true prophet, what it means to be a prophet, what it means to be prophetic. And before I start, I do want to again say that this book, Prophet Arise, is not only for uh, so-called uh, prophets. Um, I'm not trying to make everyone a prophet. And so the question is often asked, is everyone a prophet? And I answer that by saying yes and no. Yes, everyone should be a prophet in the sense that everyone should hear the voice of God, speak the word of God, have the characteristics of a prophet. And uh, that is based on the, the word of the Lord. Numbers is our foundational verse. Numbers chapter 11 and verse 29, the words of Moses, the prophet, he said this. And Moses said unto him, envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. So Moses desired that all of God's people would be prophets or prophetic as a result of God's spirit being upon them. And, of course, we believe that the spirit of God has been poured out upon all flesh. And as a believer, you should have the spirit of God upon you. So in that sense, every believer should be a prophet. But, of course, every believer is not a fivefold ministry prophet. Paul specifically teaches that not all are prophets. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and also in Ephesians chapter 4, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Uh, we do have an 11-part uh, series called Prophetic School, which can be viewed free of charge on, on YouTube. And if you missed those teachings, it's very foundational. It talks about the gift of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy, the gift of a prophet, different dimensions of the prophetic realm. But this, this particular series is a new te teaching and it's entitled Prophet Arise. It's based on Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And when light comes, that means that revelation, understanding, insight comes. And the more you get insight and understanding about this calling, the more you can understand yourself if you are pro prophetic. Uh, there's so many of you listening and so many people around the world that have uh, prophetic gifts, prophetic tendencies, uh, what I call a prophetic DNA. And they, they don't really understand themselves because they've never been taught what it means to be a prophet or what it means to be prophetic. Because often this, this gift and this, this ministry is not really talked much about in many local churches. We, we understood more about the pastor, maybe the evangelist, uh, maybe the teacher. When it comes to the apostle and prophet, many churches have never had any extensive teaching on this subject. Or some churches will insist that there may be one prophet in the church and no one else and different ways that churches teach on the prophet. But I believe that there are many prophets sitting in local churches that 
are sometimes discouraged. They're frustrated. They've never been released. They've never been activated. They've never been taught uh, who they are. And sometimes they've been shut down and they have been muzzled. Uh, they have been hindered. They've been stopped because often leaders don't understand what the prophet's ministry is all about. But I believe that in this hour, God is giving us clarity and understanding concerning the prophet's ministry. And there's so much in the Bible on prophets, um, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, so many prophets in the Bible. It should not be difficult to understand the ministry of the prophet. Then, of course, the greatest prophet of all, uh, Jesus, the prophet like unto Moses. And again, he's more than a prophet. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. But he's also the prophet that was sent unto Israel. And those that would not listen to him would be cut off. And that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, when Moses said, the Lord will raise up a prophet like unto me. And he raised up Jesus, the prophet. Jesus came as a prophet to his own people, to Israel. He spoke as a prophet. He ministered as a prophet. He warned them as a prophet. He told them what was coming as a prophet. And so there's a, there's a lot in the Bible on, on the prophet's ministry. And we see many different kinds of prophets. Uh, and so many different dimensions of the prophetic. And, and every prophet is different. Every prophet is unique. But in, at the same time, every prophet is the same. Uh, I've been around the world and I've been in many nations. And I found that there are prophets everywhere, every nation, every city, every region, every church. And, and, and they, they think the same. They grieve over the same things. They, they get upset about the same things. They, they get stirred over the same things. They love the same things. They hate the same things. They, they do the same things. Very common. Uh, and again, every one of us may be different in our personalities, and every ministry gift really should be prophetic, whether you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. If you have the Spirit of God upon you, remember Joel's prophecy was that in the last days God will pour the Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters would prophesy, and your, son, your, 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 your servants and handmaids would prophesy, and the old men would dream dreams. The young men would see vision. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit really is a baptism into the prophetic realm. And so many of you have characteristics of prophets, uh, but you don't understand them. They need to be uh, sharpened. They need to be developed. They need to be trained and released and walked out in, in this book, again, called Prophet Arise. It's a call to prophets and prophetic people around the world. It's your time. It's your season to arise. And again, you can order this book by simply going to my website, www.johneckhartministries. That's J-O-H-N-E-C-K-H-A-R-D-T. Again, J-O-H-N-E-C-K-H-A-R-D-T, johneckhartministries.com. We have a list of books, not only this book, but other books. <coughs> the other book I've written on the prophetic is called God Still Speaks, which talks about the role of the prophet in the local church and prophetic presbytery, personal prophecy, corporate prophecy, prophetic teens, prophetic worship. So I encourage you to get both copies. If you've not read Gospel Speaks, get this book, Prophet Arise, and make them a companion companion volume. I guarantee you, studying these two books, it'll, it'll, it'll seem like you're in a mini school of the prophets. You'll learn so much, and I believe you'll receive an impartation as a result of listening to these teachings and also reading the books. I, I started off in the first part by giving a list of, of what prophets do or the characteristics of prophets. And um, chapter two of the book has many characteristics of prophets all the way from page 21 through page 45. It gives the different characteristics of prophets. And then um, chapter three, what moves the heart of a prophet? What stirs a prophet? What grieves a prophet? Um, what do prophets love? What do prophets hate? 
And then chapter four, I talk about the rewards of a prophet. And these these characteristics uh, I've, I've developed over months and, and really years of study on this vital subject. And I want to talk about what what prophets love. You know, we can talk about what prophets hate. And sometimes prophets are, are viewed as people that just walk around pointing out sin and hating this. And, and prophets do hate. They hate iniquity. They hate pride. They hate hypocrisy. They hate injustice. Um, they hate when there's no love in the church. They hate apostasy. You know, certain things that, that prophets hate. Prophets hate what God hates because prophets have a heart like unto God's. They're, they're men and women after God's own heart. So they, they hate, uh, especially injustice and hypocrisy. If you study the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus spoke against injustice and hypocrisy more than anything. He spoke against covetousness and greed, but he especially spoke against hypocrisy. You can read that in, in the Sermon of the Mount, uh, chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew. He talked about the uh, injustice of the religious leaders of his day, injustice of the rich oppressing the poor, the powerful oppressing the weak. These are things that prophets hate. That will grieve a prophet. So if you're really grieved and vexed by injustice and hypocrisy, that's a trait of the prophetic anointing. It's not that something is wrong with you, because when you have that, that spiritual DNA, you try to shake it, but it, it just won't leave you. But prophets not only hate, they hate sin, they hate rebellion, they hate iniquity, they hate lukewarmness, um, they, they hate uh, jealousy, they hate strife, they hate division, they hate religious tradition, they hate witchcraft, they hate control, they hate domination, uh, they hate when churches are not walking in love and walking in unity. Uh, these things really will grieve a prophet. A prophet will not be able to overlook these things. A prophet will get a burden and, 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 and be driven to pray. A prophet will denounce and confront these things. That's just the DNA of a prophet. And God makes prophets because he needs people like this to make sure that things that need to be confronted are confronted. But prophets not only hate certain things, they love certain things. They, they, they enjoy certain things. So we're going to talk about what prophets love. Uh, one of the things in, in, in being around prophets and, and myself being prophetic and our church is a very prophetic church. We have ordained prophets in our church. We have prophetic worship. We have, we've activated thousands of people to prophesy. We have prophetic singers, psalmists, musicians. Our church, we consider our church to be a very prophetic church. When I say prophetic church, I'm not referring to a church with a prophet. Um, a prophetic church is a church that has prophets and prophets and prophetic people in every area of the church. There are a lot of churches that believe in prophets and they may have a prophet or the pastor may say, I am the only prophet, which to me is a very dangerous thing to say that you're the only one. Uh, but a prophetic church is a church that has prophetic worship, prophetic worshipers, prophetic singers, prophetic musicians, prophetic intercessors, prophetic preachers, prophets. They have prophetic counselors. They have the whole, the whole church has prophets. They have personal prophecy, corporate prophecy, prophetic singing. It, it, the prophetic vein or prophetic river flows in that church consistently. That's really my desire for prophets to arise, not to have a title, not to have a name, not to impress anyone, uh, but really to impart a prophetic spirit into the church. One of the things that prophets love is they love to impart. Remember Paul said in Romans chapter 111, I long to see you that I may impart unto you uh, some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. So prophets are very strong in impartation. They can do this through their teaching, their preaching, laying on of hands, even through prophecy or just being around the prophet. As I said in the last program, prophets 
are contagious. The prophetic spirit and the prophetic anointing is contagious. In other words, when you get around prophets, you become prophetic. Remember when, when Saul was ordained to be the first king of Israel, and Samuel told him, when you leave me, you're going to meet a company of prophets. When you meet them, uh, they're, they're, you're going to prophesy, and you're going to be turned into another man. And that's in 1 Samuel chapter 10. When Saul met the company of prophets, he began to prophesy. It's like they pulled him into a prophetic realm. So if you, if you want to be prophetic, or if you want to increase your prophetic edge, it's good to get in a prophetic church or become a part of a prophetic network or get around prophetic people because you receive an impartation. Not only do you can you receive an impartation if you're prophetic, but you also are able to impart. Prophets love to impart. They can impart spiritual gifts. They can impart anointings. They can impart grace. Again, through the laying on of hands and prophecy. Apostles can also do this. As a matter of fact, any ministry gift can do it. Evangelists, pastors, teachers, all of them can impart. So we're not limiting impartation of prophets, but prophets have a very strong uh, grace in this area, especially through prophecy. Remember, uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, neglect not the gift that is in you that was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. So there was an impartation, a gift that was transferred into 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 Timothy with the laying on of hands and through prophetic uh, words, prophetic utterance. Then Paul also told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in you, that was given you by, by the laying on of my hands. So Paul being an apostle, Paul was also a prophet. If you study Acts 13, Paul was a prophet before he's released into the apostolic ministry. And so Paul had a great sense of impartation. Prophets can come to churches and impart. They can impart faith. They can impart grace. They can impart boldness. They can impart courage. They can impart uh, 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 a greater uh, spiritual sensitivity. God can use them to impart love and 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 and, and hope and uh, it's a it's a very strong uh, grace upon prophets to impart and so prophets love to impart uh, prophets love to worship I often say that worship is the oxygen of a prophet remember in First Chronicles chapter twenty five I encourage you to read the first seven verses of First Chronicles chapter twenty five where David established worship in Israel and he chose three prophetic families. Prophetic fathers who had sons and daughters that prophesied with the musical instruments and they prophesied. And the families were the families of Heman, the families of Asaph, and the families of Jedathan. Three prophetic families, both, all three. Heman, Asaph, and Jedathan were prophets. David was a prophet. David loved worship. They loved worship because worship, according to uh, uh, Revelation 19.10, it says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is connected to worship. Uh, a strong worshiping church should have a strong prophetic dimension because often when we worship, as a matter of fact, every time we worship and enter into the presence of God, the spirit of prophecy begins to manifest, and we have corporate prophecies, prophetic songs. Uh, a true worshiping church is more than just singing a, a few praise songs and singing a few worship songs off of an overhead. That's good. I don't knock that, um, but it's more than just singing songs that you rehearse. The Bible says, sing unto the Lord a new song. They're spontaneous, fresh, prophetic songs. The prophetic word can be spoken or sung. Unfortunately, many churches, they, they believe in praise and worship, but they generally limit it to just songs they rehearse and sing. They'll sing a few fan songs, a few worship songs, but never really open up for the spontaneous prophetic flow to come uh, and never, never really allow the glory of God to come. They, they're good at having a few songs, they cut it off, announcements, a certain time to do it, and they never really linger 
or stay in God's presence until the glory manifests and the result is prophetic songs, prophetic utterances begin to come forth. Prophets love that kind of atmosphere. Prophets thrive in that kind of atmosphere. A prophet who's not in a, a worship atmosphere will be vexed, grieved, and will often dry up. And we don't want you to drop and die. We want you to stay stirred. Prophets love worship. And again, that's found in First Chronicles 25, the first seven verses. David was a prophet, a psalmist, a worshiper. He loved the presence of God. Most of your psalms were written by David. They're prophecies that were written as David played his instrument. And so prophets can play on instruments. They can bring forth a prophetic sound. Prophets love worship. They love true worship. One of the things prophets hate is vain worship, empty worship, false worship. Jesus said that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Prophets love worship that is true according to the word of God and worship that is in the spirit, not in the flesh, not entertainment. Uh, not religious, not traditional, but in the spirit. Prophets love the spirit of God. Prophets are very sensitive to the spirit of God. They love to be around the spirit of God. They love the anointing. They love the presence. They love the glory. They love the worship. This is what stirs prophets. Prophets need that kind of atmosphere. Uh, prophets also love, uh, they love the deeper things of the spirit. I like to say that because sometimes people, um, they don't like uh, the deeper things of God. And I'm not saying be so deep until you're weird or spooky, but sometimes people are very shallow in their walk with God. Prophets are not like that. Prophets like the mysteries of God, the deeper things of God, the deeper things of the spirit. As a matter of fact, sometimes prophets will be called deep, sometimes spooky or weird or flaky, because many, to be honest with you, in the church are very shallow in their walk with God. They don't go very deep in a certain area, deep into the ministry of deliverance, deep into prayer, deep into worship, deep into intercession. Uh, deep into revelation, deep in the truths of the word of God. Prophets love the deeper things of God. They love to study the word. They love to dig out the deeper things of God. They love to go beyond the, the service. They love to go deep into the scriptures, deep into the spirit, uh, deep into prayer, deep into intercession, even deep into the prophetic, deep in prophecy. They just love depth. And that's why we prophets need to be around depth. They need to be around a level of preaching and teaching that has depth. Uh, what, we're, what a prophet will struggle with is a church Excuse me, it has no revelation, no depth. Prophets, they, they, they love simplicity because there is a simplicity in Christ, but there is also a depth in the Lord. Uh, Paul said uh, that he spoke the wisdom of God, even the deep things of God, the things of the spirit, which are not, uh, cannot be comprehended by the natural man or by the, by the flesh. Uh, prophets, they love rhema. Remember that uh, when you talk about the word of God, you talk about the written word of God, which is logos. And the, and, the, and the word that God quickens, which is rhema. Of course, every believer loves rhema, but prophets especially love rhema. They want to know what is God saying now. They want to know what is God speaking today. What is the current word of the Lord? It's not enough just to get up and preach a nice sermon. Prophets want to hear what is the, what is the Lord saying now. Man shall not live, live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord. They want to know what word is proceeding from God's mouth now. We call that the rhema, the rhema word of God. Uh, prophets, they love, they love symbolic acts and they love, they love symbols and symbolic acts. Um, this is an interesting aspect of the prophet. Sometimes when prophets minister, they'll, they'll act out their prophecies. They love to, they love it. They can do it through dancing. Many dances are very prophetic because it's very symbolic. Their movements are very, are very symbolic. We find in the book, in, in the Old Testament that God commanded his prophets often to do symbolic acts, to act out their prophetic words. 
And uh, I'm afraid that if those prophets were alive, were alive today, they'd probably be kicked out of the church for some of their symbolic acts. But prophets love symbols. They love to, sometimes they'll use certain symbols when they're prophesying. Um, one of the things we do when we train people in the prophetic and activation, we'll, we'll tell them to, to get something in their hand. And uh, for instance, if you get this bottle of water, um, I can launch use this bottle of water um, as a prophetic symbol to prophesy to someone that God is refreshing you or God is filling you up or your body's been half empty, your bottle's half full, or God is pouring new things into you or God is pouring out of you or new water's coming, refreshing coming. I mean, there's a million things you can prophesy off of just by using a bottle or put a key in your hand and say, God is opening doors for you. He's giving you a new key, a key of revelation, key of understanding, a key of revelation, doors that have been unlocked uh, uh, are, 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 are being locked and doors that are locked are being unlocked and God's calling you to lock up the works of darkness. So sometimes prophets, they use symbolic acts. I can take this pen and say God is putting a new pen in your hand. You're going to write. You're going to publish. Your tongue is going to be the pen of a ready writer. God's going to use you to write down your thoughts and write down your revelations and God's going to cause you to be an author or, or, or write on the hearts of people. So sometimes prophets, they love symbols. They they love to use symbols. They they Prophets, uh, prophets are the type they can go to a movie and when they're watching the movie, they can see all kinds of prophetic things in the movie. Um, sometimes it's difficult going to the movie with a prophet because they'll, they'll begin to see things in the movie that are prophetic and then tell you that you're just trying to enjoy the movie. But prophets, they, they, they see things. They're very symbolic. They, and so if you, if you have that kind of grace, don't think you're strange. Don't think you're weird. Don't think you're spooky. Don't let people make you think you're spooky, weird, or strange. It's just a part of the prophetic mantle. I mentioned in this book, prophets are different. And no matter how you try to be like everyone else, you can't be like everyone else because God makes you different. You love certain things. You hate certain things. You're greedy about certain things. You get a burden on certain things. You're, you're symbolic. You're just, you're, you're just, you know, colors can be symbolic. Instruments can be symbolic. Numbers can be symbolic. God is a God of symbols. God is a God of symbolism because sometimes things cannot be articulated without symbols the way God wants them to be articulated. Um, prophets, they love the faithful. They love people who are faithful. They love faithfulness. They love people who are consistent with God. Prophets are grieved by unfaithfulness and they're, they're grieved by disobedience and apostasy. They hate when people depart from God. Remember Elijah said, uh, choose you, the, uh, uh, how long will you walk between two opinions or halt between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. If they'll be God, serve him. Don't be double-minded. Be faithful. Be consistent. Prophets like consistency. They like faithfulness. They're very loyal. They're very fierce in their loyalty to God. And this sometimes will, will, will uh, trouble people because sometimes people can't handle people who are prophetic because they seem to be too intense, too faithful. Uh, they get grieved. They get upset about things. And, and people sometimes wonder, you know, why are you like this? Well, God made me this way. I'm a prophet. I'm prophetic. I, I just, this is my spiritual uh, DNA. Prophets love praise. They love worship. They love the glory. They love the presence. They love to be around other prophets. Now, if you are, if you call yourself a prophet and you don't like any other prophets, or if you're in a church and you're the only prophet, um, you really need to upgrade your prophetic understanding. The churches today that say they believe in the prophetic, but there's only one prophet in the church, and that's the pastor. No. If there's a prophet in the church, that prophet should be able to impart and raise up other prophetic gifting. As a matter of fact, there should be teams of prophets in every church, companies of prophets. God's grace is abundant. God doesn't give just a little bit of grace. When God pours out something, he pours it out in abundance. It, it amazes me how people get upset about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophecy and gifts. 
Well, God is a God of abundance. He doesn't give just one little prophet here and one there. There's no such thing as a prophet, one prophet in the territory, or one prophet in the region, or one prophet in the city, or one prophet in the nation. There, 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 are millions, there are thousands of prophets. Some of them just have never been recognized or appreciated. There are thousands of prophets around the world because God is the God that anoints your head with oil and causes your cup to overflow. He's a, he's a giver of abundance of grace. And so prophets love to be around other prophets. They love, they get stirred by other prophets. It's good to be in a prophetic company. It's good to be in a prophetic church. It's good to be around other prophetic people because we stir each other. We can confront each other. We can correct each other because we're not infallible. We can encourage each other. We can bless each other. So prophets love the prophetic spirit, the prophetic grace, whether it's worship, prophecy, corporate prophecy, prophetic presentry. Prophets love prayer. They love intercession. That's one of the major functions of a prophet. Prophets do, do more than just give thus saith the Lord. Prophets are great intercessors because they carry burdens. That they're watchmen and they see things and it drives them to pray. They ask God to intervene. They stand in the gap. They make up their heads. So if you have a strong prayer ministry, a strong burden of prayer, chances are you're very prophetic. You may have been called an intercessor, a prayer warrior, because we don't like to call people prophets. And I'm not telling you to stop calling yourself a prophet. I'm just simply saying this is a manifestation okay. of the prophetic giftings. Prophets love prayer. They love intercession. Uh, prophets love deliverance. They love to see people set free. Prophets love the miraculous. They love the supernatural. The prophet's ministry is a supernatural ministry. Uh, throughout scriptures, you find that prophets walk in miracles and healings. Uh, Moses saw so many supernatural signs and wonders, <coughs> excuse me, as a prophet. And we saw Elijah. Elisha raised people from the dead and he were healed. Jesus ministered healing and delivering people by the spirit of God. And so prophets, they, they love the supernatural. They love the miraculous. They love the, 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 the see deliverance. Um, so if you're a prophet, you should press into deliverance and healing and miracles. Don't limit yourself to just praying and maybe giving someone a word or maybe having a vision um, every now and then. No, these are realms of the prophetic that every prophet should love and every prophet should move in. Also, let me look at what prophets hate. What grieves prophets? Well, prophets hate ignorance and or rather injustice and hypocrisy. We talked about that. One of the major uh, focuses of a prophet is when things are not right. They'll often say it's not right. It's not fair. They hate injustice and they hate hypocrisy. They hate people that give the Lord lip service, but don't serve the Lord in truth and integrity. They hate dishonesty. They hate crookedness. They hate perversion. Uh, they hate when people say one thing and do another. This really will grieve a prophet. This really, and, and prophets try to shake it, but you can't because God has given, put a, an inward um, uh, witness in you uh, that has you identify and come against hypocrisy and injustice because God hates those things. Uh, throughout scriptures, God used prophets to speak against injustice and hypocrisy because God hates it. Um, prophets, hate the traditions of men. And the reason why they hate the traditions of men, when I say the traditions of men, I'm not saying all tradition is wrong. I don't teach that. The only tradition that is wrong is when tradition makes the word of God of none effect or when tradition causes people not to be able to obey God. That kind of tradition, tradition, a prophet will come again. And we have churches that are full of religious tradition. 
you know, there's a tradition that women can't preach, a tradition that women can't be ministers, a, a tradition that we can't have apostles or prophets, a, a tradition that, that no one can say anything but the pastor, or, 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 or no one can hear God but the pastor. Uh, you know, all kinds of religious traditions that a prophet will come against. Jesus spoke hard against the traditions of the Jews that caused people to make the word of God of none effect and to disobey God. That's one of his major prophetic functions. He spoke hard against the religious system of Israel that was full of injustice, full of hypocrisy, and full of tradition. When you study Jesus the prophet, and again, I'm not limiting Jesus to a prophet. I know he's the son of God. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he's the Messiah. But he's also the prophet like unto Moses. You study the, the gospels, Jesus the prophet, look at how hard he comes against hypocrisy of the Pharisees and religious leaders, the, the, the tradition of the religious system, the injustice of the religious leaders of his day. Notice how hard he spoke against it. Uh, prophets hate crookedness. They hate perversion. They hate when you take something that was ordained by God to be one way and you pervert it, you twist it. Um, that grieves a prophet. That causes a prophet turmoil and it causes a prophet to pray and to speak up and to come against it. Uh, prophets hate religious control. They hate it because it's witchcraft. When men dominate others and when leaders dominate churches or when pastors are controlling or dominating, a prophet will pick that up and they will not, they cannot abide it because it is ungodly. It is Jezebel. It is witchcraft. It is control. It is a major, major problem in many Pentecostal, neo-Pentecostal churches today. One of the major complaints I get, uh, people come around the world who have contacted me is they need deliverance from witchcraft, control, mind control, fear of leaders, fear of authority. They've been dominated by so-called prophets or, or so-called apostles or bishops or leaders that have dominated their lives, never released them, never imparted to them, never trained them, never gave them liberty, never gave them freedom, oppressed them. Uh, prophets will pick that up because it is ungodly. It is witchcraft. It is not the will of God. I have a I have a YouTube teaching on controlling churches. You ought to go to it. It's one of the best viewed teachings I've ever done. It gives you the signs of a controlling church. If you're in a controlling church, you need to break away. You need to get delivered because God is not a controlling God. If God allows us to be ourselves, then how can anyone say that God is in the control and domination? Um, prophets hate it. A true prophet will never control people. A true prophet, will, a, a true apostle. And a true prophet will never control, dominate, manipulate, and intimidate people. That is not a role of a true prophet. A true prophet will, will train, instruct, they will correct, they will, they will, they can rebuke, but they will never, ever uh, make you replace them, replace God for them. They'll never try to take the place of God in your life. They'll never try to take the place of the Holy Spirit in your life. They'll teach you how to hear from God for yourself. They'll never have you depend on them for a word. They can give you a word and bless you, but they'll teach you how to study the word for yourself, how to hear God for yourself, how to prophesy for yourself. And so they, they, they're interested in releasing people, not controlling, dominating, and manipulating people and being some dominant uh, pastor, bishop, prophet, apostle, whatever you call yourself. Uh, a prophets will see that, they will speak up against it, and they will, they, will, they will come against it. Prophets hate ignorance. Remember, the Bible says God's people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Knowledge, uh, ignorance is very destructive. And uh, there are many people that are destroyed because of ignorance. Prophets hate ignorance, especially in the church, because they understand 
And without the knowledge of God, the word of God, teaching, revelation, and understanding that people will be destroyed by the enemy. So prophets will promote teaching the word of God. They'll never replace, uh, the, uh, pro- they'll never replace the word of God with prophecy. They'll never exalt prophecy above the written word of God. They'll, they'll promote good teaching, good preaching, revelation, insight, understanding, because they know that people need to grow. And when they don't see that in the church, when there's no teaching in the church, no knowledge in the church, just, just ignorance and darkness, uh, in the church, then, then, um, it, it, it is, it, it will grieve a prophet. It will cause a prophet to be grieved, to pray, and to really stand up against it. Prophets also hate lip service. Remember, uh, the prophet said, these people draw nigh to me with their mouth or their lips, but their heart is far from me. What really grieves a prophet is when you say one thing and do another. They, they hate it when the church is preaching love, but not walking in love, or preaching faith, but not walking in faith, or preaching holiness, but not walking in holiness. It's one thing to say something, worshiping God, praising God, but living an ungodly lifestyle. Your, 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 your acts, your actions don't follow what is coming out of your mouth. Um, they hate it because it's hypocrisy. It is not the will of God. Prophets hate flattery. They hate the flattering tongue. When people just flatter, prophet will never flatter you. They'll never just speak nice words to you to make you feel good to try to get something from you. Flattery is an abomination to God. And when you just puff people up, prophets will tell you the truth, even if it's not a flattering, if it's not, it's not a good word. They, they refuse to flatter you and tell you how great you are when you're not, how, how, how super you are when you're not. They'll just tell you the, the truth. Because flattery is very destructive. Our prophets hate thievery. Oh, they hate thievery, especially in the house of God. Remember that Jesus went into the temple and drove out the money changers because they were stealing from the people. They were using the temple to rob the people by exchanging money at a high rate. And um, the foreign money that was coming to the temple. And Jesus got us so angry. He's a prophet. He got so angry, he beat them out of the temple. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you get a whip. And beat people out of church, even though that might that might be tempting as a prophet. But nonetheless, Jesus did it because he hates thievery. They hate when when the church is stealing, when people are stealing, when there's theft uh, taking place, when preachers are taking advantage of people, stealing their money, taking advantage of them financially. Uh, prophets hate slander. They really hate when there's slander, lying, gossip, because those are very destructive elements that operate in churches. The lying tongue, the slanderous tongue. The gossiping tongue. They can pick that up. They can know what's happening in the church. It causes division. That will grieve a prophet. It brings much destruction to a, pro- uh, to a church, and that will grieve a prophet. Prophets hate what is false. Remember, prophets love truth more than anything else. They hate lies. They hate what is false. They hate false ministries, false teaching. They hate, they hate anything false. They want truth. A prophet will not compromise when it comes to the truth. They love the truth. They walk in the truth, they love integrity, and they will not compromise when there is a lack of truth uh, taking place uh, in the church. Uh, what do prophets desire? This is found on page 63. And remember, I ministered from this book, Prophet Arise. I want you to get a copy because I, I can't possibly go through everything um, that I'm sharing in these hour teachings. But this book will go more in the depth on the points that I'm making. Um, what do prophets desire? What, what, what do they long for? Well, prophets desire uh, the demonstration of the spirit and the power. In other words, prophets don't just want sermon. They want a demonstration of the spirit and power. Prophets like demonstration. They want to see God move. They want to see the power of God move. 
They want to see the spirit of God move. It's not enough for them to go to church, hear a nice sermon, and you dismiss. They want to see God move. They want to see the gifts of the spirit move, power of God move, Holy Spirit move, healing, deliverance, whatever God wants to do in a particular service. They love the demonstration of the spirit. Remember what Paul said, my preaching and teaching uh, to you was not in words only, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Let me just read uh, that particular portion uh, from the book, Prophets Love Demonstration. Uh, Prophets are not impressed with enticing words of man's wisdom. Prophets want want a move of the spirit uh, in demonstration and power. Man's doctrines and philosophies don't impress prophets. Prophets desire words that release power, healing, deliverance, and miracles. And again, that's 1 Corinthians 2 and 4. Um, the, the One translation says this, I didn't speak my message with persuasive intellectual arguments. I spoke my message with a show of spiritual power. Isn't that what you hear a lot in churches? A lot of intellectual arguments. People trying to reason and argue with you. But when there's a power of God manifesting, people get convicted and, and they were moved. They will move uh, toward God. They'll run for salvation. A prophet's desire to see God's power and glory. Here's a great prophet, David, Psalm 63 and 2. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. That was David's desire. David was a prophet. You can learn a lot about the heart of a prophet by studying David. David's desire was to see God's power and glory. David David yearned for the presence of God. Prophets enjoy a lifestyle of power and glory. Prophets want everyone to experience God's power and glory. They they cry out, Lord, show me thy glory. That's what Moses cried out, Exodus 33 and 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Isaiah 6 and 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Uh, Prophets desire to behold the beauty of the Lord. I love this one. Prophets love the beauty of God, the glory of God, the majesty of God, the light of God, the splendor of God. Uh, Psalm 27 and 4. This is another prophet, David speaking. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Prophets love the beauty of God. They want everyone to experience his beauty. God's beauty is his perfection and glory. This was the desire of David, uh, who was a prophet. Uh, Prophets desire the judgments of the Lord. Uh, The fear of the Lord is clean. Psalm 19, 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is clean, uh, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, uh, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Prophets love the fear of the Lord and the judgments or ordinances of God. They desire them more than gold. They are sweeter than honey. Prophets seek and dig into the judgments, ordinances of God. God's judgments are a great deep. That's found in Psalm 36 and 6. Thy righteousness is, is as a great mountain. Thy judgments are a great deep. Uh, Proverbs desire truth in the inward parts. I love this point. Proverbs desire truth in the inward parts. Psalm 51 and 6. Behold, thou desires truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Proverbs want truth in the inward parts. 
the hidden part of man is the prophet's focus. Again, they don't focus on the outside as much as they do on the inside. They know that what's on the outside is just a manifestation of what is on the inside, the heart, the hidden man of the heart. Prophets desire this because this is what God desires. And then prophets desire to know the will of God. I pointed this out before, that prophets are consumed with God's will, plans, and purposes. They don't, they're not concerned about man's plans, agendas. They want to know God's plans and agendas. Prophets want to know God's will. Colossians 1 and 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Prophets want to know the Lord's will. They're always saying, what is God's will? What is God saying about this? What, what does God want in this situation? What's God's will for our church? What's God's will for the city? What's God's will for the nation? What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for your life? They want to be filled with wisdom and understanding of his will. They desire for God's people to know his will and to be filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding. And again, I'm, I'm reading directly from the book, Prophet Arise. If you've not yet uh, received the copy, then I encourage you to go to my website. Uh, that's www.johneckhartministries.com. John Eckhart is J-O-H-N-E-C-K-H-A-R-D-T. JohnEckhartMinistries.com. And you can order the book. We're, we're now sending out signed copies. Give us a few weeks to get it to you. We get, we, we, the new books are arriving and, um, we're going to get it to you. And, uh, uh, I'm sure you'll be blessed by the book. We also have the other book, God Still Speaks, which is the companion book on, on the, on what a prophetic church is. How to have prophetic presbytery, prophetic prophets, corporate prophecy, personal prophecy, prophetic worship, prophetic singing, prophetic intercession, prophetic counseling, the role of a prophet in the church. Uh, not just one, not just two, but many prophetic people operating, prophetic teams, prophetic presbytery, or prophecy doing ordination and release, prophetic impartation. It's all in the book, God Still Speaks, and some of it is also in this book, Prophet Arise. It's time for you to arise. Um, if, if this if this message is stirring you, it's time for you to arise. Come out your cave. God is stirring you. You're not going to hide. You're not going to be held back. You're not going to be held down. God is delivering you. He's stirring you, and he's calling you to rise up into your prophetic gifting. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. God has called you. He will perfect that which concerns you. Now, I want to go to some of the questions um, that we have. We have quite a few that, that came in today. Um, one of the, um, let me just read from, um, I'll just say Anthony, um, or, or this is from um, Jermaine. It says, hi, Apostle, how do you function with leaders that recognize the mantle on your life openly but want you Well, um, I believe it's important uh, when you're under leader, you probably will get an impartation uh, from them, and you probably will function like them to some degree. But there is a unique part of your ministry that they uh, will need to recognize. And, and sometimes the best thing to do is to go to your leader and explain to them that I hear what you're saying. I, I don't mind functioning um, the way you think I should function, but this is the way I function. Uh, I feel, I feel more comfortable functioning this way. As long as you're functioning, if you're functioning scripturally, there shouldn't be a problem to it. I don't think prophets should try to make everyone or leaders should try to make everyone a clone or a copycat after them. But you need to let people operate in their gifts, callings, and strengths because everyone has a different gift mix, a different, different blend of gifting. So everyone is strong in some areas, stronger in other areas. So it's good to be unique and individual. 
as long as you're not being rebellious or just being contrary for the sake of being different, I, I would encourage you to go uh, and keep developing your strengths and your gifting. But I would encourage you to go and, and to talk with your leader uh, concerning that area. Okay. Uh, this one says, if a prophet imparts to you through the laying on of hands, how do you know that you have received the impartation? Well, you receive, you'll know because what, what they imparted will begin to function in your life. Um, you'll begin to see a, a, a greater strength in a certain area, whether it's, whether it's um, healing, deliverance, prophetic, worship, um, whatever, whatever it is that's imparted. It may wisdom, and many different things that can be imparted, but you'll begin to see a definite Sometimes the impartation comes when they prophesy through the prophetic word. They'll tell you through the prophetic word what the, what, what's coming into your life. And you'll begin to see that manifest. You'll begin to see it come forth. Sometimes very quickly, you'll see a definite change in your life. And you'll see yourself going to another level very quickly. You'll see yourself having grace to do something that you probably couldn't do very well before. So the, again, the, the proof is in the pudding. We're not, you know, we're not just saying we're imparting something and nothing happens. It needs to be a definite change and a definite release. Okay, um, this one is about um, what does it mean to receive a prophet? Uh, well, yeah, there are several questions here. I, I, I can't answer all of them. One is on the prophet's reward. One is the only prophet's just prophet's words. Um, um, well, let me just say this. Every word of prophet, pro- prophets can judge other prophets. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says that when prophets minister, other prophets were there, they could judge. The, the prophets that were coming forth. But everything should be judged based on the word of God. So you should also, you know, judge pro- prophets' words. I mean, you should never just receive something someone says because they say they're a prophet. Is it based on the word? Is it scriptural? Do you feel at peace in your spirit? Do you feel uneasy? Do you feel uncomfortable? Do you feel vexed, grieved? So yes, you should judge it. Um, and also a prophet's reward, I believe, is the blessing that comes when you receive a prophet. It could be a financial blessing. It could be healing. It could be promotion. It could be favor. God blesses those that receive prophets. He that receives a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. In other words, God rewards, or the prophet can release a blessing into your life. Uh, you can receive reward that way. The prophet blesses you and speaks over your life or imparts something into your life. Uh, that can also be a, a, a prophet's reward. Uh, can you have the gift of prophecy and then be elevated to the office of a prophet? Well, um, you can you can have certain gifts operating in your life. Uh, and then be called into a prophet's ministry. That's possible. But chances are, if you're a prophet, you were called that from the foundation of the world when you were born. And sometimes when you get saved, you may not walk into it fully. You may get gifts and callings, uh, rather gifts operating. You may do a lot of prophesying. Uh, but eventually, as you come into a prophet's ministry, there's more than just prophesying. There's a greater degree of authority and power in the prophet's ministry. That is possible. Um, uh, everyone should prophesy. Every, every, every person should prophesy. That's, that's a part of being filled with the Spirit of God. Everyone who prophesies is not a prophet. Prophets, uh, have a, a gift of calling. Uh, but it is, but every prophet does prophesy. So, uh, it is possible to begin in one level and then uh, as you mature, God calls you into a different office. Remember, Paul and, and Barnabas were prophets in Antioch and then God moved them into an apostolic ministry in Acts chapter 13 verses one through five. So there's times when God does promote and releases a new grace and calls someone into a higher calling or a higher office. Okay, Apostle, how do you know when it's time to leave the ministry that you are, uh, that is stagnant, not moving in, in the way it's not supposed to? Well, I believe that some of the signs are you'll, you'll lose your joy. Um, you won't, you won't enjoy it anymore. 
You won't have peace about being there. You won't have a desire to be there anymore. You know, you once had a desire. You'll lose that desire. Uh, you'll, you'll feel uncomfortable and hoping God will lead you somewhere else. That happens. A new assignment, a new church. You, you, when, when churches refuse to move, sometimes they lose people. That's a fact of ministry. We have leaders that say, I never want anyone to leave my church. Well, if you're not willing to upgrade and grow and take your people into new levels, then sometimes God would allow people to begin to leave your church because sometimes that's the only way God gets your attention. Some leaders don't want to grow. They don't want to move. They stagnate. They expect people to be that same way. People don't like to be stagnant. They want to grow. So sometimes God actually begins to move people out of the church. And sometimes you'll feel uncomfortable. You'll lose your joy. You, you, won't, you, won't, you won't have it. You just, you just lose grace to be there. And that's a pure sign. Because we're by nature faithful, uh, we've been taught to be faithful to the church, it's a very important decision to make. And I don't say that you should make it haphazardly. And sometimes we stay places too long because we were taught to be faithful. And, and I'd rather stay somewhere too long than to leave prematurely. So I'm not, I'm not telling people to just leave their churches. but And sometimes you want to leave and God doesn't tell you to leave. So that can be another way that God deals with you. But that, that's, I think, the best um, answer I can give concerning that question. Uh, I am not weird or spooky, but the fire of God comes upon my right hand when God shows up. And my hand goes crazy. Pastors have made me feel so low because of this. What should I do? Well, um, sometimes people do feel the fire of God in their hand. Um, I would say that maybe one of the problems is that, remember, the Bible does say the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Um, you should be able to control it if it does come. I think that sometimes leaders, uh, when they see things or displays that they feel are uncontrollable, there may be a problem. And they may say, well, you calm that down. Um, but that is possible that you, the, you feel the fire of God. There must be a reason for it, though. It, 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 you, is it to lay hands on people? Is it for healing? It, 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 or just it's for you when you feel the presence of God? Remember, the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So the, it should be something you can feel and yet control it. So if you're having a problem um, controlling it, um, you know, you, you ought to really uh, ask God about it. And um, again, one of the worst things that can happen to a prophet is that they're called crazy. No prophet likes to be called crazy. But there are sometimes crazy things that do happen in churches that are crazy. So sometimes the leader does have to call it crazy. I'm not saying this in your case. I don't know your case. You know. Um, but th- that's a word of wisdom that I will give you concerning a manifestation like that. One says, how can I hear God so clearly for others? But for myself, why do I have a hard time? Well, that's common because um, when you're dealing with yourself, you're, de- you're dealing with your own emotions, and, 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 and it's not as objective. It's very subjective. You have to filter it through your emotions, your mind, your mentality. So sometimes it's harder for us to get something for ourselves than it is to get something for others. Sometimes we have an easier time believing God for something for someone else than we do for our work, for ourselves, because when we hear it, you know, we begin to say, is this God? We begin to question it. And sometimes it's interesting that as a prophetic person, you can have other prophets also minister to you. Remember, David was a prophet. But David also had prophets around him. So sometimes prophets, excuse me, they need other prophetic people even to help and assist them. So just because you're a prophet does not mean you hear everything for everybody, even for yourself. But you should learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. Follow the Spirit of God. Uh, if you feel uncomfortable about something, don't follow it. If you feel comfortable at peace, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Learn to listen to God's voice. Get quiet. Listen to God. And then when God speaks to you, learn his voice and, and walk in faith. It's not an overnight process. You have to develop it sometimes. But overseas, you can become quite confident in hearing God for yourself, especially when you pray and ask God to give you a word.
okay. Um, someone is saying when they go to church, the pastor is afraid of, of their children. Um, um, they are fearful that we will take over the church. Um, I, I have no idea. He's just saying, why are they so fearful of us? Uh, I have no idea why someone will be afraid of you. The, the, you're asking me a question I couldn't answer. Um, if the person is afraid of you because they're intimidated by you, uh, they're afraid you're going to take over their church, then that could be the answer. I don't know uh, why a leader would be afraid of anyone who's coming to the church unless they have some problems, unless you're doing something uh, to make them afraid. Um, one says, how do you keep the flow of impartation once you received it, especially in a place you are limited when it comes to ministry service? Well, you know, impartation doesn't have to just come through a serve in a church service. You know, you can impart to people when you pray for them, uh, at home, uh, prophesy over them, wherever you can impart. Uh, it's good to do it in the church. There's sometimes a greater corporate anointing in the church. But um, if, if the church limits it, then you basically you impart when God tells you to. It's not something you just walk around doing. It's something when the Spirit of God leads you to do that. Lay hands, pray, prophesy with somebody. You do it. Whether it's in the church or outside the church, but you have to be led by God to do it. If, if you can't be used in the church, God will probably use you somewhere else. Especially if you hear God and God moves you to pray for people and bless people. So you can't be limited to just doing it in the church. These gifts are not just religious gifts that operate within a religious context, even though they should, um, uh, they should do that. Okay. Um, I think those are the questions we're, we'll be back, uh, next week, same time. Uh, don't forget to order the copy of Prophet Arise. Everything I'm sharing is from this book. It's a brand new book. It's been out a few months. It is going around the world. I'm so excited about this book. We're getting testimonies around the world of people who wept, cried when they read this book, saying, thank you. It released me. It helped me. It set me free. I got delivered reading this book. No one ever explained it to me like this. And you can go to my website at www.johneckhart, that's J-O-H-N-E-C-K-H-A-R-D-T, John Eckhart Ministries.com or the book Prophet Arise and also the companion book if you don't have it. God Still Speaks, our other prophetic book. We also have the prayer books on there, other books available. Take advantage of the materials. I know you'll be blessed. Our new spiritual warfare book on deliverance is available. Uh, all what I've learned for 25 years of deliverance ministry is available. You can take advantage of the other book. I forgot the other book. It just, just got reprinted. It's called The Shamar Prophet. Um, it is a book on the intercessory prophet, the praying prophet, the guarding prophet, the watchman prophet. That is also available. So there are really three books on the prophetic that are available. This one, God's um, uh, Prophet Arise, uh, God Still Speaks, and the Shamar Prophet. Those three books, if you read them, I guarantee you, it'll be like attending a school of the prophets. And then view this this teaching um, every week. Um, and also go back, if you've not uh, listened to the prophetic school, I have an eight-part prophetic school on YouTube. Eight hour, 11 hours of teaching. You that, I know you'll be blessed. Father, I bless those that are watching. I release grace, favor, peace, uh, um, shalom, favor on them, strength. Let the prophetic gifts be stirred in them. Let the prophetic gifts arise. Let them arise. Let boldness, courage. Let them be sharpened. Let them be stirred. Let them come forth. Let gifts that have been dormant come alive. Let them begin to flow again. Let the river flow out of their belly, Father. Let it bring life, healing, blessing. Let them stand as prophets in the house of God. And, Lord, let them be watchmen. Let them come against the works of darkness and release the will and purposes of God, I pray. Let their prophetic utterances become stronger. Their visions and dreams come alive. Lord, let their prayer life strengthen. Lord, let their preaching and teaching, discernment sharpen. Father, I bless them and I release.
them into your grace and favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, and there you have it. Profit Arise, Understanding Profits. I hope you've been blessed by this uh, teaching. Go back and listen to part one. Uh, part one, and this is part two. Make sure you share and like this episode.
he said prophets love the glory of god in jesus mighty name so we're going to be coming i'm going to be coming back um probably later on this evening i'm going to do uh, the lord has led me to do another um podcast on something that we talked about earlier an international bank that carries money for criminals and i'm going to give you the reason why we're going to go over that um, but I, I love for you guys to come back and, um, listen to that. I love for you guys to share it and also like this episode. Okay. One more song and we're out of here. Let your glory fill this place. Let your consuming fire fill this tabernacle and purify us. Surround us in this place. Want you to breathe new life within us. Send a refreshing love. Purify us. You're all consuming fire.
We always have um, technical difficulties. The enemy loves to get into techni- techniques. Can you imagine? Can you imagine just standing before the king? Oh, I can only imagine what it would be like when I walk.
Okay, God bless you. Thank you for um, tuning in and make sure you share and like the episode. I will catch you in a few more hours.